Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. I love the easy checkout because I'm always in a hurry and it's got to be simple for me, and it is. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what you do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store, click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the Billing section, Redeem code is the athletic. Once again, that's the athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last minute deals. are in Dallas and coach Dave Tippett has shuffled the lines in search of balance. Hi there, I'm Alan Mitchell and uh, Jonathan Willis joins us now. John, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm just rotating the chairs and desks in my office. I'm, I'm moving things around and I'm, I'm hoping it'll result in a better written product by me. Apropos of nothing. <laughs> I, I'm always hoping the cat makes an appearance of this podcast. So She is locked uh, away. Right. It doesn't matter. John, you, wherever the, the cat starts doesn't matter. Where the cat ends up is the key. And I think she's smarter than you. Well, and, and she's certainly she's certainly at least as loud as I am. We actually we, we, we live on the main floor. We her where she gets locked up is in the basement because we we put her in the living room and you would hear her at the far other end of the house. So that that's my hopefully that'll be the only cat related update in this podcast. Well, I, I said smarter. I think more diabolical it might be. Oh, accurate. smarter applies to. Smarter applies to. Okay. Well, I didn't want to insult you this early in the because I figure you'll get back at me. You got time to here. Uh, but, on yeah, today's you know, show, Al, we're talking about our, our our relationship. It's 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 like a long running feud. It's like the Hatfields and the McCoys. <laughs> you know. It, so just just take your shot. There's there's no sense trying to go for peace. We're we're far too down this road at this point. I, I feel like we're like grumpy old men. Only you're too young to be grumpy old man. But I'm there. You know. Um, I tell you, I feel like I aged 10 years since I had a toddler, though. Oh, John, you wait. Wait until they get the keys to the car, and it's Friday <laughs> night, and it's 1 a.m. Yeah. Oh, John. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. John. Okay. Young John, show, so much to learn. Sorry, I'm going to stop interrupting talking you. about the Oilers' current losing streak, uh, tonight's game, uh, the Hall trade, which may not be a trade, uh, and new lines against Dallas. Uh, John, I saw some good signs in the Toronto game. The Oilers won the possession battle, barely, but the goalie played well. Uh, McDavid didn't score. He had a great chance. Um, and if he and Leon don't post crooked numbers, Edmonton loses. Uh, I look at tonight's game. There's there's some good signs here. The goaltending's playing better. The possession is better. But the Dallas they could the Dallas Stars are are one of I think the more difficult opponents that Edmonton will face because of the style of their game and because of of, of how good they are defensively. Well, and Tippett talked about it in his presser today. Dallas is a pretty balanced team. Um, really really like their depth guys and and in the top six you know you've got Sagan you got Ben you got Radulov you got all the all the old suspects and then some some young guys like Rupe Heinz so 
it, it's interesting that this is the opponent that he's chosen to go with the, the three center model. I'm, I'm glad that he's, he's decided to, to do it because it, it looks to me like I, I'm not convinced it's going to work, but I think it's a good idea anyway. And the reason I say that is it looks to me like there are a bunch of forwards who are, um, you, you got to find out about him. Like Gagne has scored really well whenever he's been in Edmonton this year. Uh, Kara has started scoring, uh, Nygaard is, you know, he's he's uh, coming back into the lineup now, but he he looked like he was he was coming into his own before he he had the 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 injury brush there. Like to me, it, it looks like there's a bunch of guys that you've got, you got to find out about whether or not they're going to be able to contribute. And um, going to three centers lets you do that. And even if it doesn't work, well, then you know. Yeah, I'm. I feel like Gagne has been used really well by Tippett and. As we find out more offensively about these other forwards, I mean, Gaetan Haas is showing a, a sign. I agree with you, Nygaard, uh, playing a little better there. But um, Patrick Russell hasn't played in a while, and I wonder if he's losing touch with a, an NHL job right now, and maybe we see a, a recall from Bakersfield. But it, it you can kind of feel it in real time who they are still uh, auditioning here. And I think Haas might be a guy who's who's going to come out of this looking pretty good. Yes, because the Shahan Archibald line is famously where players go to look really good. <laughs> He's up to 1.24 for 60, John. <laughs> On this team, that's like Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you look at the last, yeah, he's um He's been among their better scorers, which is it's it's uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling, struggling for a metaphor here, but it, it's it's not high praise. Let's put it that way. But he, he's shown some stuff. And I, I like like uh, Tippett mentioned the whole having a lefty face off man and a righty face off man on the same line. I like it. I wonder if this isn't a first step towards maybe getting Gaetan Haas on the penalty kill. He's penalty killed at the pro level in Europe. So maybe that's something we see from him in the future. Uh but it's going to be interesting to see him in that role because he's been pretty sheltered and used in more of like a secondary scoring role. And that's not where Shahan and Archibald have been all year. So if he can, if he can thrive there, then I'll, I'll feel really good about his possibility of staying in the NHL in a, in a depth role for a while. We'll, uh, we'll get to the top two lines in a second, but I, I wonder sometimes if, if Ryan Nugent Hopkins ever, you know, sits outside the rink or drives into the rink and looks at the line, the lines and, and says to himself, you know, I free agency, they're going to pay for this because it, it, it feels like, especially since Hall got traded in Eberle, uh, Nuge has been playing with a, a group of wingers that, that are, are, um, and they're not trolling him, but these are these are a challenge on a lot of nights. He's got Kara and Chase on to start uh, tonight. Both of them are are big physical wingers, uh, and and Chase on obviously has scored very recently. Uh, but this is this is not you know back in the olden days on Halloween night of 2015 when Nuge was playing with Leon Drysaddle and Taylor Hall. It's a rather long distance from there to where he is right now. Oh, certainly. And I mean, some of that was inevitable with, with McDavid and Dreisaitl being drafted. But um, of of the people who have suffered uh, from Peter Shirelli just gutting the winger depth of this team, I'd say uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Oilers fans are, are pr- pretty neck and neck. Uh, it's, it's, it's been bad for a while now. It's, uh, well, th- this is basically the same scenario as under Todd McClellan when he was playing with Kara and, and Yesse Pouliot-Yarvi. Like, like Chase Son's obviously a veteran guy, but 
he's he's not a guy who's had a particularly good year offensively. He's um, he's actually not a guy who was even all that good offensively at five on five last season, uh, considering the circumstances where he was deployed. So. Nugent Hopkins has got to make do with what he's got. What I'm curious to see is how his opposition looks tonight because Tippett has uh, eased the load on him a little bit this year, and I think rightly so, especially given who he's playing with. And, um, you know, if he's if he's going head-to-head with the toughs in sort of the Shahan role with, with Kara and Chase on, that's going to be, a, that's going to be some tough sledding. The, the, the line mates for Leon Dreisaitl, for me, I, I, I look at it and I... I you know, if you if you start with Leon's line first, what do you want on that line? Well, Neil can you know shoot the puck, but he he he's not a very good five on five performer, and Gagne is is um, a, a wonderful passer, but he can be exposed when he's without the puck. So, I I um, I think this is kind of a challenging line for Leon Dreisaitl. Not that he can't play well for a two hundred foot game, but but you know he's still young and he's still learning that side of it. The the Neil Gagne. Um, pairing on the wing I think are are uh, if they're playing without the puck Leon is going to have to skate 200 feet a lot yeah <laughs> luckily he's played really well without McDavid this year so it shouldn't be a major concern what no laughter you're, you're just gonna let me pass well, I, I, <laughs> I set I you up out you know the, I you say don't say I never get you anything I I, I, I was you looking at the I was looking at the numbers this morning, and I, I just for a second, and I don't mean to doubt you, and I'm not insulting you. I, I wasn't sure you knew that you said it. You said it is so convincingly that you convinced me that maybe you had overlooked Leon without McDavid. That's my fault. I should have known that you'd know that. <laughs> wow, I'm I'm deeply hurt, Al. You know, like you, I I was hoping for a quick little barb, but no, you've you've hurt me. In it. No, no, because uh, I feel bad. I it's my fault. You know, I, I was I was looking at Dreisaitl since the start of 2017-18 on on the wonderful natural statric line tool, and he has he you know he's got a 40 percent on ice goal share away from Connor McDavid over that span. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's it's uh, here. Here's what I don't understand, and and because I. Like, is it, this is going to be bad because is it too late to move him to center? Because I feel like he's become like, you know, he, he can match, he can work with McDavid's speed and that's a big deal. Uh, he, he has either had naturally or perfected a backhand pass that is pure butter. He seems to have adapted himself to the right side of McDavid extremely well, although they have him on the left side right now uh, when he's playing on on the top line. I I wonder when is too late to to convert him to center or or as he develops more of a what we call an old man skills like you know the two way ability maybe he'll just grow into that naturally. I I don't know. One of the things I always think about is is how on these lines where you have the multiple centers, uh, a, a lot of times the the players will trade off their positional roles. So I, I wouldn't even say that he's been a pure wing when he's on McDavid's line. Like, he, you know, he gets the left wing tag uh, under Tippett and, and McDavid gets the center tag. But because it's more of a partnership, I, I don't know that I'd view it that way. The way I kind of look at it at is, you know, we, we give Nugent Hopkins uh, flack sometimes for not producing in this secondary role with no winger help. And then we put McDavid, and then we see Drysaitel in the same situation, and he doesn't produce either. And I think it's just a reminder of the fact that uh, you can't run one-player lines in the NHL, and it turns out that you can't just build down the middle. Wingers do matter. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, John. Uh, Peter Shirelli said, "Was it? Did he say they were a luxury? Was that what he said? Oh, I, are a luxury? I, I'd have to go. I'd have to go dig out the quote because, I mean." Poor Peter Shirelli, like he's poor Peter Shirelli. Boy, I'm gonna get hate mail after this one for sure. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you know, like when he when he talks, he he says things, and then like he and, and it, it gets blown up to three times of what it was. So I don't I don't remember if he said that they're a luxury or they. I don't think he actually explicitly said wingers don't matter in the NHL, but it, it gets portrayed that way a lot. And you can't really blame people when you look at the list of players that got traded out of Dodge, but. Uh, he he certainly acted like you could get by with with good centers and it didn't really matter if you had quality wingers and and to you know to his detriment if you're if you're looking at reasons Peter Shirelli's no longer the GM in Edmonton gutting the wings is is pretty high on the list i i want to change the name of this blog from the oil can podcast to the peter shirelli support group i feel like <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we could get we could get we could get hate mail forever if we did that we could be really mean and call it the Peter Principle. <laughs> do you think? Do you think that that uh, Taylor Hall gets traded to St. Louis and that Peter Shirelli hands Taylor Hall the, the Stanley Cup? Like is this Shirelli's <laughs> in that organization? And I think that Oilers fans might melt if that happens. That's that's the funniest thing. Whenever I see St. Louis in there, I'm going, "Isn't Peter Shirelli advising them?" That's very interesting to me. But oh, St. Louis would be a great fit for Hall. Like I, yeah, I when I when they list off the teams, like I look at Arizona and I'm going, "Okay, from a hockey perspective, I don't really get it." I think what Arizona and and this is totally me speculating. This is not me insidery anything. But I look at it and I go, okay, if I'm Arizona, how does this make sense for me? Well, it probably makes sense for me in terms of selling tickets. You spend three million bucks on Taylor Hall in, in actual cash or whatever, and if you win a playoff round, you're you're feeling pretty good about that investment. So that that's where it makes sense to me. But from a hockey perspective, St. Louis is, uh, I mean, well, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions, so their their window is now. Add whatever you can. Hall would be a, a great addition to an already very loaded lineup. By the way, as you say that, we are recording in real time on uh, Monday afternoon, tweeted out by Elliot Friedman and Darren Dreger, Arizona is closing in on Hall. So uh, that was a rather timely bit of uh, verbal that you passed along there. Uh, I like the idea. For, it's, it reminds me of the old baseball trades where you're, you know, you're a team that that maybe is having a difficult time with attendance. You you feel like you got a shot of the playoffs. You you go out and you make a trade, uh, and you put bums in the seats for the rest of the summer, and hopefully you you get a little bit of fall revenue as well. But Arizona has like they uh, they have a lot of young talent, so they are certainly, I think, ideally situated along with maybe Colorado because of their cap room uh, to be able to make a trade like this. Yeah, yeah, they they're. Uh... They, they certainly have the assets to do it, especially if if what's been reported about the ask is is accurate. Like if if they're looking at Kevin Ball as the centerpiece to this deal, nothing nothing against that player who uh, it actually has surprised me. Like he's outperformed where I had him in his draft year by by quite a bit, and he's he's developed uh, in a way I didn't expect. But um, that that's not a, a premier asset, so we'll we'll see. If the trade does in fact happen, what it looks like, but uh, if you're if you can if you can move you know a higher a lower case A level prospect or a higher case B level prospect as the centerpiece of a trade for a former league MVP, yeah, I I don't see the downside there, especially if you think the other parts of your team are good enough to win right now. Is the young Arizona prospect uh, better than than 
the rumored Oilers uh, defenseman, which would be, I guess, Caleb Jones, maybe William Lajeson, something along that line? I'd rather have Ball than Lajeson. I'd rather have Jones than Ball. Okay. Because I, I, I'll be here's where I think the Oilers were. This is just me guessing. I have no inside info. I think they were willing to offer Pulyarvi, uh, maybe say Jones, maybe a, a, a or a a, a a second round pick that if the Oilers made the playoffs might become a first round pick because it wouldn't be a lottery uh, selection. I think that those elements were in play, but I also think that that it it really depends on how. The other side might value um, said player, and and you know, I I don't know that they die on the hill of Caleb Jones, but I do know that they clearly like him a lot. Um, Paul Yarvey for me is a guy whose whose value probably is less now than than you know even a year ago because at least a year ago he was over here. I I, I won't be disappointed if they don't get Hall, but I do think they'll probably if he's available and interested they'll probably be aggressive July one. Is that fair? Yeah, well he's. The, the thing that keeps getting overlooked is he's a good fit for neat. Well, I shouldn't say it keeps getting overlooked because I've, I've been yelling about it and I'm not the only one, but he's a, he's a really good fit for Edmonton's need. They need guys who can produce at five on five. You're not likely to get that player from the farm this year. Even if you bring Tyler Benson up, you're bringing him up as a, as a supporting player. Um, I, I should actually correct myself a little bit. I, I shouldn't, I, I'm very quick to say I, I'd rather have Jones than Ball. That's probably a little unfair to Ball, who uh, he's younger and there's more uncertainty, but his his ceiling could potentially be, you know, higher than Jones. So I, I just correct myself there. I uh, I think the Oilers would be, I, I assume you would hope they would be interested on July 1st. Um, Hall's a, an elite enough talent that he's he's worth pursuing. And, and the other thing about Edmonton, I like Caleb Jones as a hill to die on. The The problem is they've got so many left shot defensemen that yeah. uh, you, you can't play them all, right? Like, I, yeah. I, I really like Jones as a player. I think he can play for them, but where, where does he fit long term? I don't want to get too inside sports here, but you and I both uh, know Tyler Dello. And he would have, I don't know what his involvement would be uh, in, in the trading of Taylor Hall in terms of the valuing of him. Um, but I'd be fascinated to know when we find out who the players are here, uh, or picks or prospects or who, whatever we're talking about, uh, what they, a number one, we're looking for and, and what they value, because what you just said about the, the young Arizona prospect ball and then Jones and then, and then kind of mulled it over, over a few minutes and, and, and revalued. I, I think those things are, they're important and difficult doing them in real time, but, but it is, you're basically making a bet on one player over another and five years from now you'll have your answer. But there's a, there's a great degree of risk because the guy you, you choose not to acquire, uh, might end up being the better player and, and that can impact the organization for a long time. Yeah. I, but I mean, what do you do, right? You 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 make the best decision you can uh, when it comes up. It's I I don't think you can get too too fixated on you know who you could have had, who you didn't have. You have to uh, you, you you just look at them. You you have a probability curve. You say okay, if the the median outcome for all of these guys is X, Y, and Z, and this package is better than that package, and and that's all you can do. Uh, people get too focused on outcomes and 
if you're if you're looking at this from a trade perspective, I, I, I too focused on outcomes. I sound like a like a like a jerk here, but you, you have to you 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 can't in hindsight go oh well I should have grabbed him because he he finished in the upper ten percent of comparables in that population group, and the guy I traded for finished in the bottom ten percent. You only right. know what you know at the time. I don't know that there's another haul out there between now and the deadline, and we'll know more as teams fall out of the race. And, and who knows, the Oilers might be one of those teams. They may be selling uh, at the deadline. But I think it's fair to say that this opportunity to acquire Taylor Hall this early in the regular season is is somewhat unique. And by that, I mean I don't see a Mike Hoffman landing on the market in the next few weeks. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, I'm very curious to see what New Jersey gets largely because of the timing of the deal. If you can trade, like, theoretically, you should get more for Taylor Hall today than you do at the deadline because the team that gets him is getting a better deal. They're getting him for a longer period of time, which helps you make the playoffs. And then by the time you get to the playoffs, he's been with you for a while. So we've seen this a lot of times where guys are brought in at the deadline and they're still adapting to their new club by the time the postseason rolls around. You trade for a guy today, that's not the case. And the third thing is that at the deadline, there are, you know, 10 teams or whatever that are selling. Today, it's, you know, four or five and none of them are selling anything that's like Taylor Hall. So there are a lot of reasons the return should be bigger today. I'm not convinced that it is. It's going to be. And if, if New Jersey doesn't get a better return today than they would have got at the deadline, when they really should for a lot of different reasons, you, you kind of think maybe they made a mistake by, by putting a clock on themselves by, uh, by holding him out of games. One thing I'll tell you that I do know in dealing with Oiler fans on a day-to-day basis, if, if the return for Hall today isn't exceptional or, or substantial, then, then uh, Oiler fans are going to be very angry that the Edmonton Oilers didn't go out and get him. And that's uh, it's always a risk. I understand. Uh, people, uh, Oiler fans, will value their their prospects or their players in a certain way. But the the from the New Jersey side, you want to get the best possible deal. Obviously, Arizona has it because it looks like that trade's going through. But if Oiler fans, if their perception is that that Arizona didn't have to give up a lot, especially because Arizona's in the same division uh, to get Taylor Hall. You could have more hell than a little bit if you're Ken Holland. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and Ken Holland, I like. I, I think most people are pretty patient. I think you you see on on Twitter, especially there's a a real criticism of his lack of aggressiveness, and and I understand that because you look at some of the moves that could have been made, and you go, well. You know, like just just to pick a for instance, if he if he trades Brandon Manning to to Florida for uh, for James Reiner Reimer instead of signing Mike Smith, that's that's a trade you can make, and it's a little more aggressive, and you you kill two birds with one stone, and now you're further ahead. But uh, I, I think for the most part, the fan base is probably fairly patient with him. The problem is that the like we we talk about Arizona doing this, or I talk about Arizona potentially doing this from a a bottom line perspective. Edmonton's in a position now where they need to sell seats. People yes. are sick and tired of watching this team lose games. And, you know, if they fritter away the the early early uh performance of this season with by by uh, you know, slumping for two or three months, it's going to get really brutal and and that right there is is an argument for for having some activity because you have to you have to give um people something to watch. I'm very much hoping this trade goes down before we uh, finish our podcast. I do want to mention that uh, 
The Oilers are playing Dallas tonight and then St. Louis later in the week. Uh, and We Went Blues with Jeremy Rutherford and Barrett Jackman is a great uh, athletic podcast you might want to tune into here uh, in the days that go by. All right. Uh, Darren Dreger is saying Hall will likely uh, test the free agent market. This could be a pure rental for Arizona. Um Pierre Lebrun now reporting the Devils will get a first-round pick plus a conditional pick as well as prospects from Arizona for Taylor Hall. So that does sound fairly substantial, and and maybe in there in that Lebrun tweet is is Ken Holland's reasoning. Is that is that um, fair, John? I, I think it's possible to overrate first-round picks, but if the Devils are getting a guaranteed first-round pick, like I assume. We'll, we'll see how this transpires because we're, we're doing this. And this is like live radio, Al, except it's yes, going it to be re- yep. released hours from now. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see what it, it looks like. But I would imagine that the conditional pick is based on Taylor Hall re-signing in Arizona, which mm-hmm. I, I think that would be an, an odd fit. But but anyway, if, if he's getting a first round pick and there's a, a high end prospect there, then you can kind of understand why, um, you know, maybe maybe New Jersey would prefer that to a package like Pulley, RV and Caleb Jones. It's it's fascinating to me because it sounds like it's a, a for sure first round pick, and if it's the twenty twenty pick uh, that they got from Arizona, I do understand Holland's hesitancy because if if he makes that trade and they miss the playoffs and it becomes a lottery pick, and and that's a stretch because even if it is a lottery pick, what are the odds that you're gonna you're gonna win the thing? But you still are running a risk of of making a deal where you rent Taylor Hall for a, a, a sub, more substantial pick than, say, number you know, 12 or 14 overall. Uh, and, and then if you don't make the playoffs, you're sort of putting all your eggs in one basket. Arizona doing this suggests to me that there's what you had said earlier about attendance and those sorts of things. It may have been, uh, in their minds, very critical there in, in Arizona because it, it might be a bridge too far for other teams. Arizona seemed to think it wasn't, so there, there's something there. Well, and I mean, I, like I, I, I don't mean to be totally dismissive of the hockey side either, because if you're looking at this from Arizona's perspective, who, who is, who's going to knock you off in the Pacific? Like you, right. you look at that Pacific Division, I, and I'm not saying that they're a sure thing to beat Las Vegas or whatever, but they've got a pretty good chance of of going on a little run here. And if you're, if you're looking at it, you're going, you know, we've got a decent shot at making it at least as far as the third round. Sky's the limit. Um, they, they were very aggressive this summer. Uh, the Phil Kessel uh, deal was a big one. So, you know, I, I don't blame them for adding talent. I think sometimes what gets forgotten when you're, you're hoarding all these prospects and picks and whatever is that you're doing it for an eventual, you're going to cash them all in eventually, either in terms of drafting them, using them to draft players, which is the way we usually think of cashing them in, or doing it in trade. But the objective is to win at some point. And, and Arizona has been been growing more aggressive and maybe they're at a point where they look at the Western Conference and they go, you know what, we're not a lot worse than anybody else out there. We add a league MVP, maybe that puts us over the top. I like the trade for for Arizona. I think Vegas is the class of the division, although they're not there yet. Um so I think that we might be looking at at um the the two of the three Pacific Division uh, winners in terms of the playoffs in Vegas and Arizona. That means that Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, I, I would imagine San Jose at some point, uh, it might get complicated in a hurry for some of these teams. 
Well, uh, <laughs> in terms of making the playoffs? Well, in terms of if you're if, let's just take Edmonton as an example. If if the trade goes through today and and things continue and they plot along and uh they're they're sliding between uh third and fourth in that division, but they're they're hanging around uh third spot. And I like the odds are, I mean, we'll see, but there's a chance that the the central gets both of the wild cards. And so so from the Euler point of view, even though you didn't get Hall, you you may um you may have to be aggressive before the deadline uh if your if your team is in that spot but maybe needs a little help i see calgary as being a stronger team uh they're running their they're riding their goaltender heavily and that is the truth but they can also if they have to they might be able to get some help there i see the oilers uh, hall was kind of a perfect fit in a lot of ways if, if you don't get him i don't think there's going to be a another player of similar abilities out there uh so that means either the farm or you'll find a way to get a a mid-level guy as a free agent but likely closer to the deadline because some of these teams are going to wait until they're absolutely out of it before they start moving uh players so i guess what i'm saying is this there's some finality about this for me when it comes to the edmonton Oilers. Uh, yeah, you're not going to get a player like Hall. I, I don't think there's any reason not to be aggressive right now. Um, I, I didn't think they should pick Sven Berchi up on waivers. That's a situation where Vancouver is absolutely going to have to take some money back. But um, maybe it's Tyler Toffoli in LA. Maybe it's and and you you look at this Hall deal. If it's a first round pick and a significant prospect plus more. Maybe that's enough of a haul that that teams that know they're out of it, you know, your Detroit's, your LA's, etc. <laughs> Detroit's, LA's, Ottawa. Period. <laughs> not, not really along, etc. There, I guess. But uh, maybe they look at it and go, yeah, there's there's some upside to getting this done before the before the the winter trade freeze or or even right after. And um, the sooner you can add these guys, the better. Like Edmund, all, all of these games count now. It doesn't make sense. It makes more sense to me, especially if you're a bubble team, to add early in the year than it does to to wait and see where you are and and maybe be out of it by the time February rolls around. Uh, Randy Lavoie saying Taylor Hall to Arizona Coyotes done. Uh, Craig Morgan has the same thing. So we are we're we're there. Uh, Taylor Hall is a, is a playing in the desert. Uh, I, I just as a uh, oh, and Darren Dreger says uh, young D man Kevin Ball, one of the prospects going to New Jersey. Uh, so it, it, it's we're piecing it together. Uh, you're right. This is like doing a, a like a, a a jigsaw puzzle, John. We're getting piece by piece, and we got the we got the frame now. We have got the outside pieces, and now we're just filling in. We're looking for the clock tower. Yeah. So if if we and this is an assumption at this point, but assuming Arizona's 2020 first rounder is guaranteed, uh, Ball was their second round pick in 2018. He's a a uh, six foot seven defenseman who you know was uh, a shutdown guy, but he's really developed some offense over the course of his major junior career. So he's he's a significant prospect. So that's that's two big pieces. Depending on what the rest of the package looks like, that's not a bad haul for for a for a pure a pure rental situation for New Jersey. At what point do we start uh, being able to pick on Peter Shirelli for representing more value than Adam Larson? Oh, hey. I, it's, it's, I mean, I, I hate, like, I feel like I'm flogging a dead horse here, right? Because you, you can't, it, it was a disaster of a move. And I, it, it, you know, like Peter Shirelli's defense of it was always that 2016, 2017 happened without Taylor Hall, but it, it proved to be 
unsustainable. So it, it's one of those cases where they, they traded down on talent. They knew they were trading down on talent. And I, I think they probably just didn't realize how much talent they were trading down on. Okay, Elliot Friedman has most of the deal. The hall, He says the hall details are filtering in. Involves one first, one conditional third, Nate Schnarr, Nick Merkley, and Kevin Ball. Yeah, so uh, Nick Merkley, he's uh, he was a first rounder in 2015. He's kind of a, you know, he's a bit of a reclamation prospect for New Jersey. He was a big, big scorer in his draft year with the W in the WHL. He kind of stagnated after that. And he's, he was, he had a decent year in the minors last year. I think his numbers are okay this year. Like he's still young enough that there's a little bit upside there, but he's firmly in the B prospect territory for me. I'm not sure who an, an Edmonton equivalent would be. Um, he'd certainly be right behind a guy like Benson or Yamamoto from, from my, my point of view. Uh, I, I don't know Nate Schnarr off the, the top of my head. Um, I, I assume the conditional a, third's based on re-signing. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Schnarr's a right center. Uh, he was drafted number 75 overall in 2017 out of the Guelph Storm, and he has uh, he was a good scorer in his final year of junior. Uh, he's in Tucson with the Roadrunners now, 22 games, a goal, eight assists, and nine points. So certainly not a, a an offensive uh, uh, juggernaut there as a as a player. Uh, but these are you know they're they're obviously the big pieces are the the draft pick and the the big defenseman uh, from from what we can tell. Uh, Merkley, I agree with you. He's a guy who, but, who uh, you know, he's he's the Robert Nielsen of the of the trade piece. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so yeah let's let's frame this in ryan smith trade terms there, there's a throwback for you um so i guess so merkley's merkley's your uh okay so alex plant is obviously the first if, if merkley's nilson i guess that makes uh schnar omara by default uh yeah which <laughs> this is, is a, this is a pretty good like, package compared to the ryan smith package <laughs> i will tell you that after after uh that trade as time went on i i didn't I didn't know Ryan O'Mara a lot at all, but I, I interacted with him a little bit, and he seemed like the nicest fellow. And I, I always felt badly that his his um, you know his his time in Edmonton was best known for that trade because, as you know, it, it's for Oiler fans that once you're you're you know a part of a package that sends away a legend, it's hard to overcome that. And, and, you know, for him anyway, in his very short time as a member of the Oilers organization, uh, you, you wish that it had gone a little bit better for him. Not to go too far down the, into the weeds here, but uh, if I remember correctly, the thing the Islanders said right after they drafted Omaro was that he had blown their psychological tests out of the water. So uh, that's that's the one thing I always remembered about him. And, and I thought, you know, psychological tests, I think there's a, a, a good place for that, but I don't know that I'd, I'd saddle a player with that because it makes you think that you're valuing that over his hockey ability, perhaps. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't mind this package. Uh I, I thought I thought one of the pieces was going to be sort of a warm body piece, and that doesn't seem to have happened. Like, say what you will about uh, Schnarr and Merkley, like they're they're both at a place in their careers where they're young enough and they've had enough offense in the past that they, they could be players. Um, Ball's a legitimate prospect, and you get the first round pick. That's that's a pretty good package, and I don't blame. But Arizona didn't give anything up off the roster, so I don't blame them at all for 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 getting this done right now. It's going to be a big boost for them in terms of trying to make the postseason. 
Kevin Weeks says, breaking news, as per what I'm told, Arizona Coyotes send a Nick Merkley, Nate Schnarr, D-man Kevin Ball conditional 21st uh, first round 20 pick. I don't know what the conditional part is, but we'll find out. Conditional first round 2020 pick and conditional third round 2021 pick for Hall. So again, as as these things happen, you get you get little pieces here and there. I had not seen the word conditional attached to that 2020 pick until just now. Uh, Pierre Lebrun just reporting. Um, there's a hard first round pick plus the conditional first round pick if the Coyotes re-sign Hall and win a playoff round. But if if that doesn't happen, it becomes a third round pick. So the conditional third round pick uh, that Elliot Friedman reported, I would assume is, is you know, a, a conditional first two thirds somewhere in there. Wow. This is a, I, I gotta tell you, I think New Jersey did pretty well here. Yeah. I, I, uh, Chris Johnston with Sportsnet, um, who everybody should be following, good good reporter. Uh, he says New Jersey's also retained 50% of Hall's cap it, which New Jersey's in a good position to do. So I, I'd say just first blush, like I'm just looking at this now, uh, in terms of making the move today and taking advantage of their salary flexibility, New Jersey did pretty good. They didn't get something immediately, but they got a lot of stuff for the future, and, and New Jersey's not exactly one player away. So now I guess it's P.K. Subban. <laughs> uh, Wayne Simmons. The, Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Well, Simmons is actually I Simmons is an interesting player. I've always really liked him. He had a poor year. He he was banged up and he had some injury issues. So uh there that was a part of it. But he's always been a player that I I thought the Oilers would would do well to I think he I think he'd be a wildly popular player here because of his style. Well, he's had a he's had a pretty decent at least it's it's been a little bit since I looked, but he he seemed like he had a pretty decent start to the year. Uh I, I know um, it was reported the Oilers were interested in him in the summer, and then it—I mean—you can't blame him for going to New Jersey for the, the money he made. And I wonder if we see players in that situation take the one-year deal more often. He—he he was bad last year, but boy, it seems like he's come around. Yeah, this is uh, this is a significant trade, no doubt about it. Uh, we're just gathering the information as it comes in, but th- from from the point of view of the. Arizona Coyotes, they are atop the Pacific now. As you said earlier, John, I think it was a very astute point by you. This is a a team that felt like there's no reason to be intimidated by anybody in the division. You add Taylor Hall to what they already have, and and this is a pretty exciting time for fans of the, the Desert Dogs. Well, and they've got they've got a real defensive core. They've they've had very good goaltending from both of their goalies this year. If they wanted to, I, I don't know that they'd want to. I imagine they want to go with the uh, the rotation in net, but they could potentially cash in somebody like Auntie Ranta for additional stuff at the deadline if they were feeling it. But I, you look at the Pacific right now. I, I got to think Arizona's pretty much a lock for a playoff spot now. Vegas is Vegas for me has been a lock most of the year, and that leaves probably one spot for Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, San Jose. And that's, you know, if, if you look at it, it looks like Blake Spears might be involved in the trade too, but we'll see. If you look at it from New Jersey's point of view, looks to me like the, the picks and ball were the big thing, but they, they may have been able to, uh, they may have preferred the pick and that's what they got. And, and so from the point of view of, of, uh, what they're doing they're they're loading up for the future here and offloading Taylor Hall now they obviously had a price point and it was a first round pick plus some extras and they got that 
Yeah. Well, and, you know, bringing this back to an Edmonton perspective, this is really bad news for the Oilers for the immediate future. Um, I'm not saying they can't win a wild card spot if they don't finish top three in the division. I'm not saying they're not going to finish top three in the division. But for a team that's already uh, slumping in a bad way, to see uh, a club that's only two points ahead of them uh, reload like this, it, it makes it makes things more difficult. It makes it more difficult to pass Arizona, and it uh, makes it more difficult to win the games when you got to play Arizona. So it's it's not a great thing for them, especially since Edmonton, if if they were indeed in on Hall, which I, I believe is the case, it's it now becomes much more difficult to finish, fix their own problems five on five with their forward core. So even if you didn't want him to go after Hall, the fact that he landed in Arizona, that's pretty much the worst possible destination short of maybe Calgary. One thing I'll say, John, and we'll maybe wrap it up on this point. When I look at this package, the, the news, New Jersey's tweeted it out. So it's Taylor Hall and Blake Spears to Arizona for a first-round pick in 2020, third-round selection conditional in 2021, Kevin Ball, Nick Merkley, and Nate Schnarr. There, there's nothing about this trade that was so difficult that the orders couldn't have duplicated it and maybe improved on it, right? Like, I think, I think. look, the, the orders didn't want to trade their first-round pick in 2020. The, the, the Arizona Coyotes did, and maybe that's the hill they died on in Edmonton. But the trade isn't so rich that the orders could not have duplicated that. Is, is that correct, in your opinion? If you go to New Jersey with a first-round pick plus Caleb Jones plus Yesse Pugliarvi, plus a conditional first-round pick, which will be at least a depth pick, if and it you know, becomes a first-round pick if, if Hall re-signs. Yeah, I think you can beat it with that package. Um, that's a lot. It, mm-hmm. uh, it is. You know, I, I, hate it doing, is. I hate doing this live because I, I like to have a few minutes to sort out my thoughts before I <laughs> you know, make a call one way or another. But well, you, can, you can see... Go ahead. Well, I would just say that... that you know, when you when you add it all up in your head, you're, you're like, you know, uh, you really, if you're Ken Holland, you had to decide uh, what, how will I feel on June 26th or whatever it is, and on July 1, because if you if you trade for him and you miss the playoffs, you give up your pick and it ends up being a high one, and you don't get Taylor Hall, then then whatever occurs. You 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 know you you basically put your team in a hole uh, in in mid early December when maybe you didn't have to. Uh, from the Arizona side, I just I honestly I just think they can afford it more. I think they've got more young talent than the Oilers do. The Oilers have great talent at the top, but they are they do not have balance and they do not have enough. I don't think uh, to have risked it. It's it. Paul Yarvey, Jones, and the first, like a an absolute solid concrete first plus a conditional, that's a lot. It is. The thing I keep coming back to, though, is all the things that we've been saying about Arizona and what this does for them. Doesn't it do most of the, like, it doesn't it do most of the same things for Edmonton if, if, if this trade is the other way? Like, are we talking about Edmonton as being pretty close to a lock for a playoff spot? If oh, they I think Hall, so. Or, yeah, I think like, you are. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's the one thing I look at is, is maybe maybe there's more of a question mark with Edmonton just because I don't think like the goaltending is not as solid as as Arizona. I, I don't think um, I don't think this moves the needle for Edmonton quite the same way it does for Arizona, because to me, Arizona 
is a team with solid fundamentals, a lot like the the 2006 Edmonton Oilers, if we're you know reaching back to the past, and and adding a superstar to that is is a big thing. Edmonton is in a different boat where they've got superstars, but they don't have the same level of fundamentals. So I'm not sure. Like I think Hall moves the needle a lot. I'm not sure he moves it quite as much for Edmonton as it does for as he does for Arizona. Um, the, That's the last very thing fair. Sorry, I know we're trying to wrap up here because we're going way over time, and thank you to our long-suffering producer, as always. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you, you look at Edmonton, like, to me, Edmonton has no reason to feel less urgency to win than Arizona, and I'm not convinced that they weren't deep enough on defense to make this trade. I, I don't know one way or the other if I'd have made this deal. Like, I'd have to think about it some more, but uh, I, I wouldn't say it's definitely too dear. It's it's one that's going to take time to mull. And the one thing I think you and I can both agree on is that uh, Oiler fans will be absolutely behind the decision made by the Oilers today. There will be no controversy <laughs> on this at all. <laughs> as as <laughs> ever in Edmonton, there's there's never any controversy with the Oilers, is there? None whatsoever. All right. Well, this is uh, this is a very interesting and fascinating edition of the Old Cam Podcast. Please rate and subscribe The Oil Can on Apple. If you click on the show URL, The Athletic slash The Oil Can, you'll get 40% off your subscription. And when you subscribe to The Athletic, you'll get to hear a bonus episode of The Oil Can every week. Uh, For Jonathan Willis, I'm Alan Mitchell. Thank you so much for joining us on this special Taylor Hall trade edition of The Oil Can at The Athletic.